Mass time and potting together. Brian Tobin on the line. Mass time and friends forever. And talking it up for mass time. Luca's hot, he's in the zone. The rest of the team is ready to go. Mass time. It's Mavs time, baby. You heard that beautiful voice. Tobin Hodges, my co-host, the Donnell Harvey to my Eric Strickland. <laughs> We're here today to talk a little Mavs time on a pretty uh, pretty good East Coast spring break trip, Tobin. Pretty good for these these here Dallas Mavericks. Uh, we're, we're two games in to this four-game East Coast swing, and uh, we're 2-0, and baby. So I'm feeling... I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good right now, uh, and I I assume you are as well. Although you're thousands of miles away from me, um, so we can't have a we can't share our traditional post win hug um, because of the distance between us. But but uh, you know, digitally and figuratively, I'm giving you a big hug because that was a pretty. Awesome it was. Uh, I I've become I've I have this new toxic trait that every time the. Um, then Woody does something good, which is a lot lately. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, and it's most of the time. And, and I think you can attest to this. So for the, for the listeners, that I have been on the Din Din Witty bandwagon for a while. Like yeah, I have said, yeah, I wanted him. That. I've said that I wouldn't be afraid to pay him what the Wizards paid him mm-hmm. last year. Uh, he's been in a couple of trade rumors for years, and I'm like, yes, let's do it. I love Din Witty. And you guys have said, you specifically have been like, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And listen, he could still be bad, like, in a couple of years, I don't know. But for w- the price that we have him now, and for what he's doing for us, I think we both said that we our ceiling was lower with Dinwiddie and Bertans than it would have been with a healthy KP. And I think we are both be- have been proven wrong vehemently, especially after this week. <laughs> and so I'm just glad to be here. And talking about Spencer Dinwiddie the way that I wanted to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. And so I am feeling good about it. Yes, I am. And I just, I like the, I like the, the, excuse my language, I like the balls that he brings to this team. I, I just, I love it. 100%, man. 100%. I think that's something that I want to touch on real quick. I know we, we don't have a lot of time tonight because Tobin is recording in his car in, in Nash Vegas, uh, as I call it, as the locals call it. Um, and uh, the battery's going to die soon, so we don't have a ton of time tonight. But I, I, what I think, some, I think what I want to clarify on the Dinwiddie part, I'm not going to. This is not revisionist history on. Um, yeah, I was always in on Dinwiddie because I wasn't. You can go back and listen to the episode. I was pretty pissed. I was pretty bummed, and uh, I felt like. I mean, I, I feel like maybe best case scenario is like, are we getting the Brooklyn Dinwiddie or are we getting what we've seen with with this guy in in Washington? What what I feel like I need to kind of. Having had time now and more to think about it and kind of see where we're at, I think why I was so bummed about that and why a lot of Mavs fans were really bummed about it is because it did. It felt like kind of the 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 death of a dream, Tobin. Because like the whole the the, the concept of of Luca KP seems so good on paper, so much better than it really turned out to be, with the exception of of eight or ten games here and there. Um, to lose that, it just kind of felt like, well, now we're going to start spinning our wheels, aren't we? And and then also, the I think a huge part was the, well, now we've got free agent money in 2023. And I just was like, please kill me. I don't want anything. I don't want anything to do with that. 
Um, I just felt like the lowered ceiling concept was was real, and that's wrong. I've turned out to be just straight wrong on that. I think like a lot of people were, but but also it just it felt like man, we got this cool thing. If we could ever just get it to be together on the court, wow, it could be cool. Mm-hmm. And it just a I think very clearly that was never going to happen because KP missed another what ten games after the trade was was made before finally coming back and. And he's not been particularly good since. I've, we've got a fun tweet on that, but but I, man, I I am digging. I'm digging watching this guy play, and I think you're exactly right on on the balls that he brings to the table. That's a. I think it's a huge part of it. I think that this team. It reminds me a little bit of. I'm not sure that the impact is the same because this player was unbelievably important for for our championship run in 11. But it reminds me just a little bit of what Tyson Chandler brought to the table on that side of things when, when he came. Those are obviously completely different types of players. But I think that it was important. I've said so before and I've written before that I think it was important for Dirk as much as anybody else to be able to look out across the court on in that year and see some different guys and see a guy like Tyson Chandler who was just like up for whatever came their way and was just like win or lose I'm I'm all in baby and I'm you know I'm I'm I do not I am unfazed by whatever comes our yeah. way and and that's what you get with Dinwiddie I think somebody else tweeted this tonight it was I think it was Josh Eberly or one of the Mavs guys he he said that this is the most like that he he reminds him of Monte Ellis because he, like even Monte Ellis just is mm. not afraid of anything and so yeah. like that's yeah. that's what it kind of reminds me of. we and we don't have those guys very often those guys that are just willing to like just straight up cash a shot or go to the basket and yeah, so I didn't finish this. I realized after I stopped talking. My toxic trait is anytime Dinwiddie does something good, I I go on Twitter and search Chris Tapps Przingis and look at all of the Washington Wizard fans freaking out because he has one rebound or he's not playing well. And I'm just like, I don't want bad things for KP. I really don't. But it's really nice to not be off, not be on that roller coaster anymore. And 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 you yeah. have a tweet that perfectly encapsulates that. Yeah, man, you sent this to me, and it's it's exactly right. It comes from your guy Charles, who I don't I don't know, I don't follow, but uh, it got retweeted into into our timeline. But he tweeted the KP experience in Washington. Game one, we got KP for what? Game two, he's seven three and only got one rebound. <laughs> game three, he shot three for thirteen and talked about needing the extra pass in the in the post game stuff. Game four, out for injury maintenance, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. That's what we've been dealing with for the last two years is I want to love this guy so much and he makes it impossible to do. And and some of that is maybe much of that is not his fault. I can't I don't know what's going on in the body of a guy who's seven foot three. You know, I don't know. But (laughs) I he also he also kind of went out of his way routinely to say or do a thing that whether it was intended to or not was was like prime to just set off the fan base well, and i think the team too i think on the that team note too. i think did you see the quote yeah. from finney smith this week 
No, I did not. Please Finney Smith me. basically, I, I don't have like I don't have it in front of me, so I can't quote it directly. But basically, was like, "Hey, there's no jealousy in the locker room now." Basically, is what mm-hmm. he said, and that's without because he was talking about the impact yeah. of Dinwiddie on the team, and it's basically Dinwiddie has fallen into his role of I'm the dude that that takes up the slack when Luca needs it, you know, or just takes mm-hmm. you know picks up the extra part of the weight. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. even tonight was a good example of that. Like, or really both nights, but. Luca gets double teamed. Yeah. Huge weekend yeah. for him. Yeah, second halves both. both Luca gets yeah. double teamed on the on the last possession. Spencer Dinwiddie gets the ball and he's not even really open. Dragic was pretty much on him right away and he just pulls up and like like I literally was like oh no because like Finney Smith is open in the corner he might not have been able to get a shot off in time so like Dinwiddie made yeah. the right call you know I think he got the ball with one point yeah Dinwiddie made the right oh, call I mean, that's the right play right or, yeah. you know make made shot or missed shot he made the right call. And it's just you don't have that. Like if if that if KP's on that spot, Luca's shooting that ball on a double team because he didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. He didn't trust KP. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I hundred percent agree. I I I I really I underestimated. That's just something that that maybe I think what I was worried about as much as anything beyond the. I mean, he's averaging twelve points a game in Washington and just looked not great. Just looked like a shell of himself. But like even in 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 Brooklyn. I think he had some reputation as being kind of a black hole. And in hindsight, I just think that's because Brooklyn didn't have any talent because he's, I mean, and, and who knows? I mean, we, we, we've, we've seen this before where a change of scenery does a world of good for a while. And then eventually people revert back to their old ways. I, I t- essentially tweeted that I felt like that's what was happening in the, the Boston game. Cause first half of the Boston game, he was awful. He was awful in that game. And the Mavs as a team, were awful. You know, Luca gets his like pulls his hamstring three minutes into the game or whatever. Dinwiddie missed four layups in the first quarter. And we're you know, they're out there without Reggie Bullock, who I like again, I think I said this last time. Like Reggie Bullock, it's not like you're missing an all-star, but he's important to what's happening with this team, just from a both a gravity on the court and also uh rotational. Cause we're it's not like we got a whole bunch of really good dudes sitting on that bench, and now one of them's got to step into the starting lineup. Um, Dinwiddie was awful in the first half. He was griping at the refs a bunch, too. He just wasn't getting anything going. And I kind of felt like, oh, here we're getting a... I, not that I'm saying, hey, this is this is who he is. Um, we're getting a, a kind of example of, like, this is a little bit of why he was available. Because he's just... If he's not able to get anything going, he starts the griping. He's not giving you too much on these other... We're just getting a bad game. We're getting a bad game from him, and I hope that it's just a bad game, not the the beginning of a bad streak. And in the second half, that dude was awesome. <laughs> I mean, he just comes out and was a killer. He does not... He really has that Jason Terry thing of, like, he absolutely does not remember the last shot that he missed. He is only think, seeing the shots that he has made and the one that he is about to make, I think. Whether he's shooting from the outside or the inside, he's, whatever it is, he... He is uh, he is beyond resilient, and that I think is a hallmark of this team, which I'm not sure we would have guessed coming in to the season. Yeah, and it, it just I can't I can't wait to see what he does. You know, because here's the thing: the reason why I've always kind of been on him, like and with him, is because when he was the one guy in Brooklyn that wasn't hurt, and you know, or when they signed KD but didn't play KD for a year. He was just mm-hmm. straight cashing. I mean, he was just he was going out there like there was so much talk about like, well, whenever KD comes back, they're not gonna have a spot for him, so they they're gonna trade him. And all he did was just just go out there and ball out, you know. And it, we said mm-hmm. it before, but yeah. at the very least, 
he sure is raising his trade value right now. So, I mean, <laughs> listen, I do not want him to go anywhere. I think that the, yeah. you know, I think that he to me is a let's figure out a way to keep him these next couple of years happy and then see what we can do after that. But yeah, I think he's invaluable yeah. to what the team is yeah. doing, and I also think too it's really it's important that that. Uh, having watched Luca for these last four years, we you can tell you can tell who he likes, who he doesn't like. You can tell who he trusts, who he doesn't trust. You you um, you can he knows these guys really well, and you can tell you can tell almost immediately he he's he already vibes with this guy. He he trusts him. He believes in what he's gonna do. I mean, it's there. It's instantaneous. That play tonight. The Boston game was one where the 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 final shot that ended up going to Dinwiddie was was almost exclusively based on Luca beats his man, gets into the paint and sucks in the defense and reads it and just goes with, with what's available because he had three guys that were open on that that play. Like I sent you a, a, a screen grab of that possession. When he passes the ball to Dinwiddie, he 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 looks the defense away and then kicks it to Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's wide open bucket ball game. Um Tonight against the Nets was a little bit different. I think they knew exactly what was what was coming, um, especially once they got the switch from from Claxton. I think they were positioned where they where Luca slash Kid said that they would be. That was a. I'm not going to say it was a drawn up play because I think play one is Luca gets a shot, obviously in in that setting. But I think they were very aware of here's where the double is going to come from, and here's where I want you to be. And I'm going to you. Like he fired that to Dinwiddie immediately. There was no look yeah. away. There was no see if there's somebody better in the corner uh, or more open in the corner. Whatever it was, here comes the double. There's Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Boom, bucket, buzzer beater. Winner. In, and and two and zero. Oh also, I I I'm, I'm speaking for all the morons that aren't watching the game. You know, probably regularly like we are. But the the national media that's always like the Hey, well, you know, why isn't Luca taking the shot? Like full stop. Like this is not who Luca mm-hmm. is. Luca is not Kobe Bryant. He is not going to come out there and demand the last shot, no matter how many guys are draped on him. He. Mm-hmm. This is why you want Luca in these settings because he can hit those shots and he can get to the basket and do a do a game winning fadeaway. But he is also uncanny. Canny. His his ability to find a guy in a good position in these moments is uncanny. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to lean on. And that is that is precisely why having a guy like Dinwiddie is awesome because he's not afraid to, to pop up a three like that or any shot for that matter. And we and we we have yeah. two or three guys now that I think I'd feel safe to, you know, with Luca passing out to in that scenario. The whole thing that Luca does is he draws a defense to him and then find and then is able to make that pass that a lot of guys are not able to make. Mm-hmm. So yeah. get you know, don't come at me with all of this, you know, well, superstars take the last shot. That's crap. Like that's not yeah. how he plays the game. It's not how he should play the yeah. game either. So I mean, and I, I'm somebody I want him to take more shots yeah. overall and, and all this. And we've we've griped off the air a few times about not because because it feels like the the move was less about to get to the basket and more about setting somebody up for the shot and those are the ones where I'm like I don't love that. I want you to I want you to go get the best shot possible and and if the best shot possible is Spencer Dinwiddie at the top of the key, awesome. If the best shot possible is you getting to getting past this guy, they didn't bring the right defense, you've got a layup or, you know, a float or whatever. Cool. Because the two possessions before that when this is kind of hanging in the balance 
he they get the switch. I felt like it was poor defense by the Nets. Not that Bruce Brown is going to shut down Luca or anything, but they switched way too willingly to get Drogic on onto Luca, which is what Luca wanted. And he immediately he gets those two mid post buckets against him to to keep to get up to thirty seven and 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 to keep the run going. Um, so the in there when they're down one and or yeah when the Mavs are down one and you know that the Nets are going to bring the double team that's ex- that's the right play that's always the right play make or miss that was the right play to get that ball right there too otherwise I mean if you're if you're gonna uh, if you want to go different than that then you push up the floor and you go straight to the bucket and try to get a basket fast and worry about however much time is left on the clock afterwards you know but if in this setting of we're going to basically run this down to four or five seconds before we go which is typically what you do in these scenarios, then that double team was going to come. And they, I, I feel like they played it perfectly. They set it up perfectly. So he is, uh, this is the stats from uh, Mavs PR. Tobin, he is the seventh Maverick since 96, 97 to hit a game winning buzzer beater. Uh, we have Dinwiddie number seven, obviously Luca's done it. We have Monte Ellis, Michael Finley, Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Terry, and Antoine Walker over the course of of this <laughs> oh uh, this match. I'm assuming maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I guess the Vince Carter against the Spurs um was a game tying three? Was it game tying or was, game or was it game tying or was there still time on the clock afterwards? There wasn't time on the clock because there was like one second when yeah, I think that sent it to overtime like and then didn't we didn't we okay. end up losing that game too? I think we won that game. I can't remember cuz we were up 2-0, and, or I think we were up 3-1 in that series before before the Spurs came yeah. back and won. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I, it, mu- it must have been a game-tying shot because that that's an iconic moment. Gosh, that, I, <laughs> that was probably my favorite Mavs buzzer beater ever, if I'm being honest. But, yeah. Yeah, it may be up, up there for me. That was on Cooper's birthday, his first birthday, and I freaking screamed and woke him up and all this stuff. So, good, good parenting there. Um, what do you... What are your takeaways from these two games? From this, I don't even care about the Rockets game. We're not the Rockets suck, um, and it's it's not even fun to no. beat them right now. Um, well, I just, disagree with that, such, but they're so but sure. bad. Okay, um, <laughs> that was one of those games where you're just like, I really hope. I mean, I said it last week because the Knicks just thumped us, and I said I think that's just one of those nights that every team has. But I'll worry about it if they come out and struggle against the Rockets, and by about. I don't know, 10 minutes into the game, you're like, okay, this mm-hmm. is over. Like, there's no, there's nothing that's going to change the outcome of this game. Um, and Luca basically was just playing with them for the majority of that game. So that's here's, all a, really here's my takeaway for these for these last two games. And just in general, is that one of the things that's been different about Luca this year is that he's, he's got this knack of coming out and getting like 13, five and five in the first quarter you know and basically mm-hmm. kind of giving us either a cushion or giving us a a competitive first quarter no matter who we're playing and then he kind of I don't want to say he fades off but he kind of starts to get other people going you know or tries to get other people going and then he comes back in the fourth and sometimes that doesn't work that well in general and I think Zinwitty is kind of like the the stop gap for that. I think he's so like what you were saying, he came out slow, you know, against Boston and kind of tonight too. Mm -hmm. And, and then in the fourth, third and fourth is whenever he kind of turned it on. And I think if he, if they can have that formula of, we're going to let Luca get his, 
and then Dinwiddie and Brunson are going to get theirs in the second and third quarter, and then Luca and Dinwiddie are going to close yeah. it. That's going to be a tough formula to beat. I mean, just in general, and and so I think that's kind of cool to see that because, like, listen, we're what ten and three since the trade, I think, or maybe since the All Star yeah, break. So. In in a lot of these games have been against teams we should be beating, you know, in doing that in Boston against a team that's been so hot right now, and in doing that in yeah. Brooklyn against a an incredible Kevin Durant right now is. <laughs> yeah is pretty big and like listen like we're better than brooklyn i think and we're probably better than boston for the most part and so you know those are games we probably theoretically should win but it's good to see them kind of enact that and listen it could have gone the other way it could have gone either way like you know but like if you think about it doing that on their court you know, in not having the fear like it's like we talked about this last week and i've talked about this agnosm off the air I, I love that they aren't afraid of the fourth quarter like they have always been. It seems to, for the last mm-hmm. 10, 15 yeah. years have been. And that's what I like most. And I think Dinwiddie just adds another knife in your in your bullet, you know, in your pocket for that. So, yeah, I, I, I think I won't push back on that. I, I, I think they're probably a better team than Brooklyn at home since since Brooklyn can't play their second best player and their third best player hasn't played all season. You know, um, I think that's that's something. But. But also, Brooklyn is a very it was one of the, was maybe the favorite to win the mm-hmm. title coming into the season, you know. And um, they're a very good basketball team. Boston has been on an incredible run on the road. I mean, they're not they weren't favored in either of those games. Yeah, and, and that was probably that was probably right. Um, looking w- coming into this, when I look at this three game stretch, and I say, man, at Boston, at Brooklyn, at Philly, that's a brutal three game stretch. I said last week, if they get one of those three games, I'll, I I think we just got to be happy with it because it's a really difficult, it's a really difficult stretch. And now they've gotten two. Now you can say if you want to be critical, you say they kind of pulled them out of their butts, <laughs> both games. Um, but that's the kind of stuff but, you have to do on the road. Like that's yeah, exactly that's what you got to do against yeah. good teams on the road. Sometimes you can't. It's not you're not going to roll in and just and and beat them by thirty points most nights. You it's it's going to be a fight. It's going to be difficult. The second half adjustments against Boston were incredible. Tatum had nineteen in the first half and four in mm-hmm. the second half. They absolutely shut him out of the game, and they and they didn't and, uh, shut KD down tonight. But they did, like, just even the last three possessions, the defense yeah. they had on him had like the the three point shot that he made to go up in the last ten seconds. You can't do anything about that. That was just KD, KD, KD. But the two the two possessions before that, they double teamed him in the in the lane, and he he shorted a shot. Yeah. And then they Finney Smith kind of pushed him to the baseline on the. Second to last possession possession he had, and he missed a shot, and then Claxton tipped mm-hmm. it in. But like you're doing things and you're making adjustments for things that are going to give you, you know, potential wins against these teams. You're doing exactly what you need to do. And that, like, and I guess I should clarify it. I don't think they're better than Brooklyn when Brooklyn's 100, percent but they're not. And so sure. yeah. they're, you know, and, that, yeah, and they're yeah. not going to be yeah. probably for a while. And mm-hmm. so it's just, yeah. you know, now the thing is, okay, what can we go in and do against Philly? You know, Embiid's probably going to eat us up, you know, inside, and that's just kind of how it goes. But you right. you can go into Philly knowing that, hey, we've got two of these three games in our pocket already. Let's just go in there and punch mm-hmm. them in the mouth and yeah. see what happens, you know. And and yeah. I think that, that kind of changes your mentality of instead of going in 0-2 and, and having to, to try to steal this win – you can go in there with no fear and just and just cock them in the mm-hmm. face and then see if yeah. they see if they back off, you know. And so, 
Yeah, I, d- I totally agree. I, I think that, that the resiliency of this team is a huge, huge factor right now. And and also, I mean, Kid, Kid really has done a great job of... There are things that he still leaves to be desired uh, at some, from times, but the the adjustments that they make and the the mixed with this sort of willingness to stick with what they believe is going to work. That's a really difficult tightrope to walk, um, but they do it and they do it really successfully. They, they kind of say, Hey, that didn't go, that hasn't gone great so far, but we believe that over the course of 48 minutes, not just 24, that this strat, this defensive strategy is going to pay off and we're going to stick with it. Um, then again, kind of, and that was sort of the strategy. That was the deal tonight. I felt like was over the course of 48 minutes. Um, those shots that were dropping earlier in the game stopped dropping, Mm -hmm. um, because of, in, in many ways, because of the defensive scheme versus again, what they did with Boston of, I think they covered Jason Tatum differently in the second half than they did in the first half. And it, and it changed, it changed the game. Um, so Mix, being able to do both of those things is, is a wild. It is wild. Tonight was the 15th double-digit comeback for the season, which is crazy. That's always been a thing that has been a holdback for, for this team. Um, there's not been a, you know, they mm-hmm. haven't been able to do that. Uh, this is the, what is the, the record here? This is second most since, since 2010-2011, um, which, by the way, we won a title that year. Um, I do not think that that is in the cards this year, but I'm just saying it's, it's a hallmark of a good team. In this stretch, to uh, twenty-seven and eight in in uh, in twenty twenty-two, they've got they've got wins against fourteen of the nineteen teams that are currently play in or above uh, teams, which is pretty pretty impressive. That includes, by the way, Golden State three times, Memphis twice, but you're talking Atlanta, Bo- Brooklyn, Boston, Chicago, Denver, Clippers, Lakers, Heat, Pelicans. Sixers, Toronto, Utah. I mean, these these are good things, man. These are good things. These are yeah, huge and wins. The other so. thing too is they're gonna be a fifty win, you know, maybe even a fifty two, fifty three win team when this is all said and done, and they have a new coach. They have mm-hmm. a they had a over before even though traded on, they had an overworked roster or an overhauled roster. And mm-hmm. then yeah. at the trade deadline, they traded their second best play well on paper second best player yeah. for other players yeah. and they still are you know cashing wins and so like that that yeah, alone is incredible yeah. like that like if you would have told me all these things would have went down like you know before the season started and said how many wins they have i would have i would have said max 40 like there's no way like mm-hmm. it's just like with all the stuff that's going down and it's and it's not in in to even cap off all that stuff that's with a covid you know decimated team and Luca not being what he needed to be in the first, you know, quarter mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah. And it's just been great. It's been great to see them kind of over overcome all these things. And I, I really, I truly believe this. I truly believe that they still haven't reached where they could possibly be when the playoffs hit. And so it's going to yeah. be awesome. No, I, 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 I love it. I agree. Something that's got, and then we'll get out of here. Something that they've got to figure out over the next couple of weeks is, um, I think that that Bullock being out these last couple of games has really illustrated um, the lack of quality depth on the roster and the fact that there's just not enough guys that you can trust through the course of the game to get their to get a shot up and make a shot. I, I don't want to lay that all on Maxi Kleba, um, but Maxi, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, he he, he 
the shots that he's missing right now um, and the way that he is so clearly just all up in his head, they got to fix that. And and it's it's been that way for a bit now, so it's not like this is brand new, but like Bullock not being out there right now, I think sort of has highlighted how bad Maxi is is right now offensively. The frustrating part of that is, A, that's a guy who shot like 42% very recently from three. But but B, they really need him on the floor defensively. And, they, and you saw that tonight. He had some some huge – Boston was even a better example. He had some huge defensive plays against Boston. Three big blocks. I mean, came up big in that game. But you're almost playing four on five with him on the floor right now because yeah. he, he cannot make a shot. And they just don't have – enough options to go to um, outside of that when Reggie's out. Bertans has been awful. I mean, let's just be real. He's been he's been what we as much as Dinwiddie has been so much better than we ever could imagine. Bertans has been exactly what we expected him to be. He brings nothing to the table if he's not going to make shots and he's not making shots consistently enough. And so there's a real depth issue um, where you're kind of just stuck with when we don't have our top five guys here, then we're going to end up playing somebody who you'd really like to take out if we could, but we just don't have an option. And that's something that I don't think it's unfixable, but they need to get that fixed. Over yeah. I mean, they need to he get put right 30 there. minutes on the court today. He was plus seven. So that means that that shows you that his defense is even better. Yes. But yes, he only put up five shots and was one of five, you know? And like, that's the thing is like, I don't know if there's a way you can maybe get Josh green, a few of those 30 minutes and maybe, maybe mm. give him the green light to shoot more. Cause, but but then you lose some of that. I mean, Josh Green's great on defense, but he's not. He doesn't have the length that Maxi has, and so yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have that. I mean, you're kind of like you pull Maxi, then you're gonna have a struggle somewhere else. It's just, but you're right. Yeah. On the offensive end of the floor, if he's not if he's not cashing those open threes that that were he's getting because everybody else is pulling the ball away from him, mm-hmm. like yeah. he's he's useless. And I I like I like Maxi to an extent, and he's he's kind of been one of the most frustrating players for me this year. Um, sure. but defensively he can't, you know, you can't take him off the court for that. And so like, whereas, right. whereas Bullock, he can kind of do some of the things that Maxi does defensively and he has more length than green does. And so I, I mean, you're right. So just like every other team, if we're, if we're fully healthy, you know, we're going to be yeah. okay. But if we, if we're not, it's going to be, it's going to be trouble. So there's just, there's something about Maxi's threes misses <laughs> that's just demoralizing because he's, he is. He is usually open by a yard or two. And he's the thing is, though, here's the he difference. Bullock, yeah, and Bullock shoots through those slumps, and, and it mm-hmm. seems to work, yeah. obviously. Maxi is not a goldfish. Like, he can't be a goldfish. It seems yeah, like totally. it seems like he totally. immediately gets Very in his good. head, and either he doesn't yep. shoot or he overshoots, and then it also affects him defensively, I think, too. So Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. We greatly appreciate you if you like what you heard. Tell your Mavericks friends, and you know what? Any basketball buddy, bring them around and listen to the show. Helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. Leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey or just Mavericks jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled Spread the Floor episode and also another Mavs Time episode. And until then... That is a wrap.